1: Prince Havner once said, God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It is a broken Peter weeping bitterly after, after denying the Lord who returns to greater power than ever. The 14th chapter of Mark tells us of a broken alabaster box of ointment that was poured over the head of our Lord. The woman who did this was preparing for Christ's death by an act of loving worship intending to anoint him for his burial. This account is sandwiched between two very dark passages about the conspiring of Christ's enemies to put him to death and then the betrayal of Judas Iscariot. In between these two things is this sparkling diamond in a beautiful account of devotion and faith in Christ. And there are principles of love, worship, and sacrifice for us to learn here. Mark fourteen three reads, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, As he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. According to verse 1, the time is two days before Passover. This is the Passover where Jesus Christ would die on the cross as the fulfillment of the Passover lamb in, in dying for our sins. The location in Bethany, according to Mark here, is in the house of Simon the leper. This is the one and only time this man is mentioned in God's word. Simon was a very common Jewish name at that time. Calling him Simon the leper was a way to distinguish him from others with the same name. But Simon was a former leper. Because lepers were outcasts. They did not interact with people. They were put out of society at that time because of their contagious disease. And thus people kept as far away from them as possible. But now he resided in Bethany in his house. It is likely that this man was healed by the Lord Jesus. And it is not too much of a stretch to assume that this man who had been healed by Christ... Knowing the Lord would be in Jerusalem for Passover, planned this meal and invited him to his home as a way to say thank you. Verse 3 says that they sat at meat. In that time, according to their custom, they reclined at a low table to eat. Their meals were prolonged conversations, and their lounging, reclining position was the normal posture for having a relaxed protracted conversation around a meal. And this this kind of meal would be the exact opposite of our drive-through fast food restaurants and quick meals that we eat there. While they were eating and conversing, a woman approached the lord having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard very precious. An alabaster box was a jar, or a vial, or a vase, you could say, with a long, slender neck. The long-necked jar was made from a fine variety of marble, which was quarried in Egypt, which could be carved into delicate containers for storing costly perfumes. The material had proved to be the best container for preserving expensive perfumes and oils. It's said, too, that the container would have had a small plug from which small drops of this perfume could be poured out or sprinkled. It could thus be stretched out and used over a very long period of time because small drops was all that was typically needed. Because of the value of the vase itself, these alabaster Containers were often an heirloom passed from one generation to another. Now, contained within this expensive jar was ointment of spikenard, very precious. So, not only was the container valuable, but also the perfume within it. Spikenard was imported from India. Nard was an aromatic oil from a rare, rare plant root which is native to India. And interestingly, nard from India is still used for perfume. The word translated spike nard means pure nard. It was undiluted as opposed to nard mixed and diluted with inferior substances. This this pure nard made it even more valuable and more costly. Mark described the perfume as very precious in verse 3. And then in verse 5, we learn how precious. It was valued by the disciples as worth 300 pence. A pence was a silver Roman denarius. One of these coins was a typical day's wages for a common worker in that time. So the perfume was valued at roughly a year's wages. So it was, as verse 3 says, very precious and valuable. This all shows us that to have this expensive and valuable jar with this costly perfume in his home, Simon the leper was likely a very wealthy man because it's hard to imagine spending a year's wages on a bottle of perfume unless the person was wealthy. The familiar psalm, Psalm 23, says in verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil. In verse 1, we learn that Christ being in Jerusalem in Bethany, he was in the presence of his enemies, who were conspiring for how to put him to death while he was there. In verse 4, we see the Lord's head being anointed with oil. Anointing the head of a guest with oil was a common way in that culture to honor a person at a festive or special occasion, but only a little bit was used, not a whole container full of it. A woman in Simon's house, while those present were reclining at the meal, went and took the alabaster vase in her hands. She doesn't want to pour out or sprinkle small drops of it out. So she does something that wouldn't ever be done. Probably on the edge of the table for the meal, she banged the alabaster uh, jar against it, and she broke off the slender neck of the valuable vial so that all the costly perfume could now be poured out more easily. She takes the broken vial and goes to the Lord and pours all the perfume out over the Lord's head. The breaking of the vase and the pouring out shows that no portion of the ointment was held back. All was poured out on Christ's head. Both the expensive jar was broken and the expensive perfume was all poured out making the act that much more costly. Now, when my wife puts on just a little perfume, I can smell it all around the house. Imagine the scent from dousing a whole jarful over Christ. It would have dominated the, the smell in the house. It was an expensive offering that she gave to the Lord. This was lavish love. It was profound, sacrificial affection and worship. She could have poured out just drops of ointment and sprinkled it on his head. She could have emptied all the perfume out but kept the expensive bottle and not broken it. But she didn't. She both broke the vase and poured out all the perfume. And this expresses the wholeheartedness of her devotion and sacrifice. This was not something that could be repeated. She gave it all. She gave everything. It was a final act. There was no turning back. You couldn't reuse the perfume, you couldn't r- repair the vase. It was all given to the Lord out of her worship and love for Him. And it's a symbolic act of what God desires out of your life and mine. Breaking the vase and pouring it all out for Him. Christ is worthy of our sacrifice. He is worthy to give all of ourselves to Him. To make the break from our old life and pour out our lives for Him completely with no turning back. Traditional ways of doing things demanded that she not do that. As we see by the reaction afterwards to what she did. But this woman dared to be different. She dared to be a fool for Christ's sake. And that's where her greatness was. She symbolizes all who love the Savior with all of their hearts and hold nothing back and give it all. What she did, she did for Christ alone. The jar was broken for Him. The perfume was all poured out for Him. And so our worship, the sacrifice of our lives, is likewise for him and him alone. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service.
0: We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to bereanbiblesociety.org. The Triumph of His Grace is a hardcover, 215-page book written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler. This volume is a comprehensive study on the doctrine of the pre-tribulational rapture of the Church, mid-tribulationalism, pre-wrath, post-tribulationalism, and the partial rapture theories are thoroughly examined under the microscope of the Word, rightly divided. The Triumph of His Grace also contains charts, outlines, timelines, and numerous comparisons to help the reader understand that the body of Christ will be delivered from the wrath to come. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin.
1: Mark fourteen four to 5 says, And there were some that had indignation within themselves, and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence, and have been given to the poor, and they murmured against her. In Matthew's account of this, he wrote that the disciples had indignation. The disciples were the sum that had indignation within themselves, as Mark puts it. But we don't know which disciples for certain. Some of the disciples were indignant, angry, upset at what they perceived to be a waste. They felt that she was reckless. In their minds, this was a year's wages gone to waste. It was enough to help feed many, many poor people. Now all was lost. Often in life, people still think it is a waste to give even a part of one's life to the Lord. And like pouring out the entire valuable contents of this jar, many still get indignant and upset and angry at what a tremendous waste they consider it for a person to give one's whole life Invaluable time to the Lord, but it is never, ever a waste to give your life or sacrifice anything for the Lord Jesus. The disciples considered it a waste because they did not understand that Christ's death was imminent. The Lord had told them on their way to Jerusalem for this Passover in Luke eighteen thirty-one to 34 Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. Now, years earlier in Luke 9, 6, we learn how they, or the disciples, departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel. And yet in Luke eighteen thirty four, years later, we see that the disciples did not understand in the least that our Lord would be put to death and would rise again. Now, if you think that the gospel they preached in Luke 9 is the same gospel as the one we preach today, trusting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and life eternal, there's a problem. That wasn't the apostles' message when they preached the gospel. They preached the gospel of the kingdom, which required repentance, faith in Christ as Israel's Messiah, required water baptism, confession of sins, and selling all that they had. Today under grace, however, we make known the gospel of grace, which requires faith alone in Christ that He died for our sins and rose again the third day. The disciples here were indignant and they murmured at the woman. They were shooting her angry glances, uh, I imagine, and showed their shocked disapproval as they grumbled, they viewed it as unnecessary extravagance, saying it might have been sold, and saying that they contemplated its great value before it was wasted. It once had value, now it has no value at all in their eyes. It once was worth 300 denarius, but now it isn't worth anything. The money could have been given to the poor. Now the poor will remain poor. And they murmured. While others may misunderstand or murmur against us because we follow and serve the Lord, we should not allow that to keep us from our devotion to Christ. We need to keep our focus on Him. And our concern should be His approval alone. The disciples were insensitive to this beautiful expression of adoration and worship of Christ. Their concern for the poor contrasts with her concern for Christ. And that is what the Lord next points out to his disciples. Mark fourteen six through 9 reads, And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. A husband comes home with a dozen roses. It isn't her birthday. It isn't their anniversary. It isn't Mother's Day. It's just any other day. And he brought her roses. She thinks something must be wrong or that he's preparing to break some bad news. Maybe he lost his job. But he tells her, no, honey. I bought these flowers just because I love you. There's no other reason. I just love you. An unexpected act of genuine selfless love. We see that kind of love in this story in a beautiful way. You see, in the Lord's earthly ministry, it's sad to say that most of the people who followed Christ came to him for selfish reasons, whether they thought about it that way or not the blind, the deaf, all kinds of infirmed people came hoping he would have compassion on them and heal their maladies. Many came just out of curiosity, hoping to see an amazing miracle. Religious leaders followed him because they wanted to trap him by his words. Great crowds followed our Lord and then they left him. Most of them were there merely because they wanted something, not because they believed in him or truly cared about him. But Christ loved them all. And so out of his love, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom, he taught them the word of God, and he healed their diseases. Hardly anyone even bothered to come back to express their love and appreciation for him after he had healed them or helped them. And that's why this story is so special. Because this woman is overwhelmed by love and gratitude for Christ. Just Him. Because she believed in Him. She knew who He was as Lord and God. And she finds a way to express her love and worship. So the Lord defends the woman's actions... And he rebukes her critics. Instead of condemning her, he shows how they should have been commending her. He tells them, let her alone, or let her be. And this was a command for them to stop immediately their attacks. Why trouble ye her, or why are you bothering her? She hath wrought a good work on me, or literally she's done beautifully, he tells them. She's done everything. Excellently. It was beautiful in its insight of his person, and it was beautiful by her courageous faith. And he accepted her gracious worship. This was not a waste. Honoring the Lord, giving sacrificially to him is never a waste. The Lord tells his disciples, For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. That word always is the key word in that verse. The Lord pointed out that ministry to the poor is not a limited opportunity. And the Lord's making a reference to the law by this statement. Deuteronomy 15.11 says, For the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore I command thee, saying... Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy in thy land. Helping the poor was not a limited opportunity, but being with Christ was a limited opportunity at that time. In a couple days was Gethsemane, followed by the trials, followed by Golgotha. Three days later, the resurrection 40 days after that, his ascension. Time for expressions of sacrificial worship and honor for Christ was running out. And this woman wanted to show this kindness while she could. The Lord was telling the disciples that they needed to learn from her. The Lord says something next that had to have been a stab to the conscience and piercing and convicting to all those in that house, and they still convict. He honors this woman by saying, she hath done what she could. This woman saw and embraced the opportunity that was open to her to honor the Lord, and she gave the best, what cost the most, and she gave it all. She did what she could for Christ. She did what she could to show her love for the Lord. In other words, had they? And have we? Have we done all we can for our Savior? And that is all that God has asked any person to do. Like this woman, it's by love, gratitude, faith, and devotion that we do it. And she broke that vase and poured all that perfume on Christ's head. Had she... Gave the best, the most valuable, the greatest sacrifice she could make. Time is valuable. Giving the Lord our time is giving Him what we could. Giving Him the best of us, not the rest of us, is doing what we could for our Savior. Giving Him our faithful worship and sacrificial service is doing what we could for Christ. He is worthy of that. Finally, the Lord says, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. I like when the Lord says verily in the gospel accounts. Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He only spoke truth. He stresses that when he says verily, which means truly or I tell you the truth. And that what he is saying is to be completely relied upon as truth. And often the Lord would double it up and say, verily, verily, or truly, truly, to really drive it home. This verse is a further evaluation by Christ of the greatness of this woman's act. The Lord says, wherever the good news concerning himself is made known, even throughout the whole world, along with that will be told the story of this woman's deed. The disciples' evaluation of what she had done and the Lord's evaluation of what she had done, they were complete polar opposites. The disciples saw it as a waste. Christ honored it as something to be praised, something to be remembered something to be told throughout the world. And the Lord erects a memorial for all time to her, this one who had done her best to honor Him. No other person ever received such a promise from Christ. And just like the Lord said, we're remembering it right now, 2,000 years later, The Lord's prediction has been fulfilled. The testimony of her adoring, sacrificial, selfless worship is remembered. The fragrance of that perfume reaches to our generation. Christ said she would be memorialized. She has been in the pages of the Word of God. And thus, this act of worship will be remembered forever and ever there.
0: Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.BoreanBibleSociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Borean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.